0: Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the ability to see into dark realms? Well, maybe. Barb and Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox.
1: Welcome back, sleepyheads, to The Witness Prophecies, a Sleepy Hollow podcast on Golden Spiral Media. I'm Steve.
2: And I'm Barb. And this week we will be discussing episode three of season three, Blood and Fear, which was written by Damian Kindler and it was directed by Kate Dennis. Give you a quick recap of what happened in this past week's story Pandora conjures up a knife that empowers its owner to kill others for enjoyment and sets her sights on an office worker, Nelson, as the vessel to carry out her deadly plans. This reminds Incubat of his schoolboy past and the first time he encountered pure evil. Meanwhile, Joe and Jenny set out to recover the shard of Anubis and discover a young woman who is using the same artifact acquisition techniques that Jenny learned from August Corbin. The woman tells them they don't want to know for whom she is working. Abby and Crane pursue the killer Nelson and he lures them into a fight, stabbing Crane. Suddenly, Nelson stumbles back and we see that Crane has injected himself with blood tainted with malaria and the knife was transferring Crane's infected blood to Nelson, freeing him from the knife's power. Abby hurries to Crane, begging him to hold on as Pandora appears and taunts her about being left alone in her fight. Later in the office... Abby tells Danny she needs a rain check on their dinner plans, and he says that what happened between them doesn't have to get in the way of their careers. Abby arrives home, and Crane is resting on the couch. Crane tells Abby that he is grateful that they have found each other again, and Abby contemplates his remark. Meanwhile, Pandora looks at Abby's face in the reflecting pond as another rose blooms.
1: Awesome episodes.
2: It was great, wasn't it, Steve?
1: It sure was. I enjoyed it from <laughs> the beginning to the end. There was no drop-off at all in this episode.
2: I think this harkened back to season one. The writing was just crisp. The action was perfect. It was the great blend of Abby and Ichabod that we love to see. So how did the uh, ratings do this week? Are they up there where they ought to be?
1: Well, they're down just a little bit. We had 3.05 million viewers, or 2.97, depending on which uh, (laughs) service you look at. They both agreed that it was a 0.8 rating for a three share in adults 18 to 49. Now, basically what was going on was we had... Thursday night football, we had a deciding Major League Baseball playoff game between two major market teams, the Mets and the Dodgers, and we weren't the only ones that were down. Bones was down a tenth, three of the NBC shows were down, ABC Scandal took the biggest hit falling three tenths, and How to Get Away with Murder was also down a tenth, so it looks like a lot of people were either watching sports or weren't watching TV Thursday night. <laughs>
2: I have a feeling they were watching sports.
1: I do, too, especially the Mets and the Dodgers. I mean, New York and Los Angeles, yeah, you're going to lose some viewers there.
2: Well, let's see. How much longer do we have for baseball? Oh, about another week and a half, two weeks. And then we'll still have the football to compete against. But people, record this show. Watch it on your DVR or other device, other streaming device, because Sleepy Hollow is back. And you're missing yes. out if you're not watching it.
1: Absolutely. This is definitely getting a much more feel of season one than uh, than last season, that's for sure.
2: So, Steve, since we both liked this episode quite a bit this week, I'm interested to hear your rating.
1: Well, I'm going to give it a 9.5. That is a whole lot of knife, even for Sleepy Hollow.
2: <laughs> yes. That was quite the knife, wasn't it? Yeah. And I'm right there with you, but I've already told you I'm always thinking about food, so I gave it 9.5 Korean barbecue tacos. <laughs> now, do you think Nelson was going to cut his tacos with that knife?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Might, might scare have. the other.
2: Might scare the other patrons away. <laughs> yeah,
1: the way he uh, took out that chair just by getting mad. Uh, yeah.
2: And the door, yowzer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Crane just barely got out of the way of that one.
2: Save it for tough steak. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Steve. Well, why don't we talk about a little, a uh, little bit about the show tonight?
1: Alright, let's discuss Team Second Tribulation, shall we? And that's Pandora and the Ripper. It was definitely an X-Files vibe from this week's monster. That show perfected the Social outcast gets unnatural powers and is immediately corrupted by them arc for all you X-File fans out there.
2: It, It didn't take him long at all to have that evil sneer and turn to the dark side.
1: No, not at all. Now we open with seeing, I guess we should call them buds because, you know, they're all dark and crumpled looking. But when they get fed, apparently they bloom. I know some people are calling this treval.
2: I like that. <laughs> the tree of evil.
1: <laughs> I came up with something else that I'll discuss a little bit later regarding that tree. It kind of hit me uh, fairly early in the episode. In previous seasons, we've had, you know, Malik had the mirror. Well, Pandora's got her own koi cam. She just looks into the pool and uh, gets to see what she wants to see. She looks in there and sees cranes... Fear of the Ripper, and we don't know it's Crane. We just see a young boy. So you know, you, you kind of go, "Huh? What does this got to do with anything?"
2: And I wonder how on earth did she get that supernatural ability to see into Crane's past? And we'll see it later with Abby too. Mm-hmm. That she is able to actually see their thoughts, and it is—it's it's like a magic mirror.
1: Exactly. So she gets all dolled up to go out because apparently Nelson has uh, decided he needs to uh, go out and chase this young blonde uh, named Emily that he's crushing on pretty bad. But of course, she's got her sights on a much more uh, tall, dark, and handsome, but probably a much more creepy guy than uh, Nelson. And so he's just sitting there all bummed out, drinking his sorrows and up pops pandora in a hairstyle this evening that was the one wig that sydney bristow wore every time she pretended to be a hot tech genius (laughs) (laughs) it it looked that way i mean
2: fortunately they were in a dark nightclub so it would have been a little difficult to tell
1: yes but she goes on and she seduces him into dancing and, well, we don't see if there's anything else going on after that. But he definitely kind of loses uh, track of what happens as he wakes up and the next day and finds that the knife is on his nightstand.
2: Now, I don't know about you, but if I woke up in the morning and there was a great big curved knife like that sitting next to me, I would probably just about have heart failure. <laughs>
1: I would, too. I would not want to know why it's there or what it's for. No. But apparently Nelson uh, decides to uh, stick it in his back pocket, and as he's riding the elevator up, he hears the other man talking to one of his friends. He's going to be able to...
2: Conquer?
1: Yeah, conquer uh, Emily uh, very easily. You see Nelson pull his... uh, the sunglasses down, and that's the last we see of uh, that guy.
2: At least until the police arrive on the scene.
1: Right. Now, later, Nelson realizes what he's done in the parking lot in his car, and he goes to try to throw the knife away out the car window. It doesn't leave his hand.
2: It almost looked like manacles were forming around his hand just to enclose and then, um, just clamp onto him.
1: Right. And of course, Pandora pops up in his uh, back seat, basically tells him, Oh, no, you're not getting away that easily. She wants him to stand by her side and join an ancient and feared history.
2: And this is why you are told to check the back seat of your car before you get <laughs> before you in. Get in. <laughs> okay. Exactly. If there's a stranger there, that means run. I don't know why people don't heed that advice.
1: No. But it was really nice FX work as they showed the the hand just melding into the knife. It almost looked like, you know, Iron Man suit going on his hand there.
2: Well, it was all, almost as if what happened to him with metal as it encased his hand and his wrist. Right. Was what we've seen previously, the way that the tree will twist itself around you and, and in essence capture you. So that there is no way you can escape. And he no. had no escape.
1: No. So uh, once uh, Crane and uh, Abby figure out where to find him, they go up to his apartment. He gives them a greeting uh, they probably won't forget for a while as he uh, puts a uh, nice slice down the door. And that was uh, quite the uh, shock to Crane. Fortunately, he was able to duck out of the way. They go in and he's got the long leather uh, top coat on and the knife is now pretty much done grown to a sword crane tries to convince him that it's not too late for him and he's not having anything to do with them no this is fantastic i can be somebody now
2: and it's didn't it seem to you that he was waiting specifically for them
1: oh absolutely
2: and because i wondered that's
1: what pandora
2: told him yes
1: that she wanted him to take the witnesses out and he was just waiting for them to show up
2: But he even knew, he seemed to know that they were the witnesses even before they arrived. Yes. And Pandora obviously knows who they were, and she knew who they were before she even arrived in Sleepy Hollow. But perhaps as she imparted some of her evil through the knife to Nelson, maybe that gave him a visual of whom to expect, as opposed to just two police officers just showing up.
1: Exactly. So Abby unloads her gun on him, and he ends up falling out of the second floor window and lands on top of a car. And a few seconds later, he wakes up, gets off the car, looks up at him, smiles, and shoots the red eyes at him.
2: Yeah, that was pretty creepy. It seems like glowing eyes are the new thing on some TV shows. I know yes. at Extent this past season, uh, the aliens on that show had kind of golden glowing eyes. So creepy, like animals, like animals at night that are Mm -hmm. trying to convey fear and scare you.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, he's still got his sights on Emily. And sure enough, he's able to take out the detective that was sent there to protect her, gets ready to do battle once again with Crane and Abby. And Abby actually uh, gets Emily away from him as Crane and... uh, Nelson battle, uh, we find out that his, uh, iron man abilities are growing by the minute as crane tries to shoot him with the, um, malaria laced, uh, blood doesn't have it. You know, it just bounces off his neck. Like it struck a piece of metal and crane, you know, fortunately, Nelson is not all that strong or a fighter. So at least the witnesses had a little bit of a chance with him and Crane pulls a couple of moves and out of nowhere you see Nelson stabbing and you go
2: <gasps> And then they cut to commercial. Right. And <laughs> we're all sitting here But you see
1: the blood here. going oh. into the into the uh, into the sword now. It's not even a knife anymore. It's a sword. Yes.
2: And that was frightening.
1: Yes, and they cut to commercial, and the whole internet blew up. Because every guy's going, No,
2: you can't do that. See, and since I'm behind you in the time zones, I have to completely stay off of Twitter for about three yes. hours. Yes. But you I do, saw it after the fact, the same thing. <laughs> and I said, No, what have you done to uh, Crane? No.
1: But either he was smart or just got lucky because. When they come back from commercial, we see Nelson staggering and the blade coming out of his hand. Apparently, he's been poisoned. And Crane falls to his knees and drops the vial. So either he was able to inject himself with it or inject the blade with it. I couldn't tell which one it was.
2: Yeah, my guess was that he injected himself no. Yeah, because if the first uh, syringe dart, whatever we would like to call it, bounced off of Nelson's neck, and then he would dance. be impenetra- impenetrable and the knife would probably be the same, have that same type of power protection. And so my assumption was that Crane had to put it in his own body. And it only takes, if you had a vein or an artery, and I looked this up, thank you, google and wikipedia it only requires one minute for blood to circulate all the way through your body at least that's what they tell me perhaps a medical professional who listens to this podcast can confirm or deny confirm or correct
1: so i don't know if crane was able to inject himself or inject the blade but somehow he was able to get it to where the uh, blood that went into the uh, blade was infected
2: All that matters is that it worked.
1: (laughs) Yes. And Crane lived. Yes, and Crane lived. Which is
2: really more important.
1: Yes. Now, of course, Abby comes running up and holding Crane in her lap, telling him to hold on. The ambulance is on its way. And who shows up but Pandora to taunt her? and ask her how it feels to know that Crane's life is seeping through her fingers.
2: Nasty woman.
1: Yes, (laughs) very nasty woman. At the end of the episode, we see one of the buds on the trevil bloom. So apparently she uh, was able to get enough fear to uh, open another bloom on the trevil.
2: And there are quite a few there now that she's getting to open. Yes, they're
1: growing uh, rather quickly.
2: Unfortunately, they are.
1: Yes. So, all in all, I really enjoyed the the Jack the Ripper story. We didn't really have too much of a a long, drawn-out process to get him there, which, you know, you only have 42 minutes to uh, tell your story, so... I thought it moved along quickly. I liked that the guy was just a normal guy, a good guy, but was heartbroken, and and that was enough of an opening to let Pandora get her claws into him, and that's all she wrote.
2: Solid storyline for uh, Team tribulation.
1: All right. How about uh, Team Witness, Barb?
2: Well, we had three good pieces to this week, and I'm going to first talk about Jenny and Joe, who were the B storyline. The first thing that we see on this part of the storyline is that Jenny is telling Abby about the shard, that they lost it, and that she needs a trace on Randall's car. And then she also told Abby that Joe was asking a whole lot of questions, and that he probably should be told the truth. And There was a little spark, wasn't there, in Abby's face?
1: Just a little bit, because Daniel walks up. Abby has to introduce Jenny to him.
2: That's the end of that conversation.
1: Yeah, and she goes, you two have a great day agenting Yeah,
2: she did say, (laughs) yes. But I'm sure that even though that conversation between the sisters was cut short, it will arise again.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: So anyway, off go Jenny and Joe, and they find Rendell's car at a motel. But they get played by a woman who claims that she was only a hitchhiker. And as they come back out, and Jenny says, oh, no. And she runs back, just turns around just in time to see this woman, mystery woman, driving off in the car. And Jenny knows she's been had. And there is Randall, handcuffed and duct taped, sitting in the bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then he proceeds to tell Jenny, well, you got played, too. Yeah. (laughs) But Jenny and Joe were not duct taped and handcuffed in a bathtub so exactly <laughs> There you go. Good luck with that, Randall.
1: Yeah, because they leave him there.
2: And they left him there. And I thought that was perfect. It was quite fitting. Absolutely. (laughs) Jenny is two for two against Randall. I'd like to see a third one. Anyway, uh, Jenny and Joe track down this new woman at a restaurant. Jenny has already retrieved the shard from the woman's hiding place, which, most interestingly, is a place that August Corbin would have told Jenny to hide an artifact. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Jenny knows from this, this stranded hiker, you know, help me and hiding the shard in a place where Jenny has been taught. Jenny's in a
1: restaurant that Uh, Jenny has been at.
2: Absolutely. Then Jenny surmises that this woman is a protege of Sheriff Corbin. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Oh, yeah. Then Jenny and Joe look through the files and they say, well, wait a minute. We can't find anything about this shard of Anubis in sheriff corbin's old records what other secrets might he be hiding from us and that's how they ended this week on an air of mystery for team jenny and team joe we had some humor with ichabod though this week didn't we uh, Steve? oh
1: absolutely did because the show opens with ichabod giving a speech regarding doing the right thing as he's trying to get uh, the paperwork approved for his um, archives.
2: Seems that he discovered federal, state, and local red tape.
1: Big time. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: It's no wonder the woman sitting at the window denied his request. She probably Uh, would have done it after that speech, no matter whether he was in the right or not, even if he did have the right paperwork.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because she gave him the side eye pretty good. Like, nope.
2: (laughs) I love the stamp. Denied stamp. (laughs) Poor Crane.
1: Yes. So he decides he's going to do something about it. He's going to become an American citizen.
2: Hot diggity dog.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's going to uh, open up a whole can of worms for uh, whoever's uh, teaching that class.
2: (laughs) Steve, the only question is, how long does it take Crane to challenge the instructor? The first five minutes, the first 10 minutes, or the first 15 minutes? Maybe we should poll our listeners and ask them what they think.
1: yes, absolutely should. Now, of course, his little uh, rant and his uh, declaration of becoming an American citizen has impressed Miss Zoe Corinth, whom he uh, bowed to last week. She comes back a little later in the episode and offers assistance in getting his citizenship, which at first he kindly uh, passes on until she says that her brother-in-law happens to work in the uh, naturalization department.
2: So now he's going to learn about both connections and red tape. Yes. (laughs) Which I am quite sure that they had to some extent in his colonial times as well. Mm -hmm. Just a little different. I think that red tape has been around since almost since creation also. Oh, yes, absolutely.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, of course, when him and Abby show up at the uh, murder scene, he definitely uh, doesn't hesitate. He knows exactly what what has happened just from the damage done to the victim as uh, a friend of his in school was murdered by Jack the Ripper. And uh, Crane's become quite the expert on Jack the Ripper as he pulls out his files. And uh, he had just recently uh, added the Whitechapel murders to his file, which was quite interesting to have that little banter with uh, Abby about uh, the timing of everything.
2: And uh, going from uh, 1066, the Battle of Hastings, the signing of the Magna Carta, (laughs) all the way up into the... 1800s. Uh, that would be quite a span if Jack the Ripper lived for 800 years. <laughs> Interesting the way they pulled that together.
1: Yes, it really was. And of course, they also had to tie it back to Ichabod having something else in common with Abby, having an encounter with pure evil as a child, which was another nice tie-in to uh, their connection.
2: Yes, their bonds are very strong in a number of areas, and I enjoy that the writers found one more way to link and to bond them.
1: Yes. Now, Crane notices that many deaths occurred after the murders had stopped. They determined that, oh, there was disease, and the Ripper must have stabbed somebody that was diseased, and that stopped the dagger. We don't actually see them prepping the malaria-laced blood samples. That's what ends up taking uh, Iron Man Ripper down. And fortunately for Crane, he had already had malaria, so it wasn't going to be fatal for him. Yet having that sword cut through his midsection sure could have been fatal.
2: Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Especially
1: the way he looked when it went through. He went, oh, hello.
2: (laughs) I know, it wasn't to the aside where appendix may have been one time but was no longer there. I mean, it went through the middle and I thought... Oh my, that would do some very serious damage. Yes. But apparently Crane is a little stronger than we think. Because yeah. because he only had a short stay, apparently, in the hospital to get himself stitched up. And you would have thought that that would have done more damage.
1: Yeah. Just missed everything by that much.
2: <laughs> he's a lucky man. But he is a witness. So he's he, special.
1: Yes. He now, of course, later when he's passed out on the couch at Abby's place... Under some heavy painkillers, he does wake up and uh, wax narcotic about how happy he is to be reunited with Abby.
2: And they do fist bump.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Which is adorable.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. Now, Barb, you want to tell us about the other half of the witness?
2: Yes, our Abby. So when we open up again, Ichabod is on his diatribe, his Big speech about how terrible this is, obviously, again, his red tape, as you discussed. But Abby's standing there to the side, eh, just kind of watching, amused. And so she helped him in his effort by signing the form, because his form to save the archives had to be signed by a U.S. citizen. So she went ahead and she did that. Now, when she did meet up with Jenny, you could see the reluctance that she had, maybe a little bit of guilt, I'll call it by Jenny saying, we've got to tell Joe the truth, but Abby is still holding her secret, at least, uh-huh. from her yes. sister, even sure. though she's told Crane. It was interesting because she had dropped her phone as they were leaving the courthouse, and Crane picked it up and saw the picture of her father on the bench with his back to the camera, and she admitted that she was she didn't know if she would ever contact him or not.
1: Right, she apparently didn't... he had moved on, so why shouldn't she?
2: Uh Uh-huh. But I have a feeling, and we can talk about this in our theories and speculation, that perhaps their cross will pass whether she wants them to or not. But anyways... Very possible. Yes. But as she was talking with Jenny, Danny came up. He interrupted him. He told her about the murders, uh, that this was a murder where... Basically, half the victim's blood had been taken out, and there was very little blood, per se, around the scene. And so it became a little, a bit of an oddity, and so off went the FBI to investigate. Now, you've already talked, I think, about the Whitechapel murders, that they were a full century after Crane's time, <laughs> but, which was cute. I thought, when they started that, I thought, wait a minute, this time doesn't work. How are they going to make that work together? And, and exactly. Exactly. The writers tied it together. But when, as Abby and Crane were continuing in this case investigation as they pursued Nelson, the fact that he knew that they were the witnesses, when they were in the garage and Abby got Emily away from Nelson, I am not certain that Emily would have been hurt by Nelson I think that Emily was just there for bait to get the witnesses there.
1: Ooh, that's very, very possible.
2: Would he have offered her in the end if it gave him more power? Because taking the blood, the fear, it provides more power? Maybe so. But he hadn't killed her yet. And he killed the two uh, agents that were sent to protect her. Yes. And
1: And the other guy pretty quickly. So, yeah, it, it does seem a little odd that it... He did wait till they showed up before he did anything.
2: Absolutely. So, of course, then we saw the very touching scene when Abby is by his side and holds him and begs him to stay with her until the ambulance can arrive.
1: And it sure looks like he doesn't.
2: (laughs) I know that was twice. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no. And that was another commercial, of course. Right. Uh It's like, oh, come on. Really? (laughs) (laughs) But commercials pay. Their sponsor, so we we love those products. So great.
1: That's right. Support the sponsors. That's right.
2: It's just the timing that just makes us all scream. Yeah, that's
1: Damian Kindler. He does that all (laughs) the time.
2: (laughs) But it was interesting to see the scene in which Abby went back to the office and she had a little drink with Danny because at that point in time, Crane was being cared for by medical professionals. We knew he would be okay, otherwise Abby wouldn't be there. And Danny congratulated her on catching the killer, and he says he wants to try and make things less awkward between them, that he doesn't want their relationship. Now, whatever kind of relationship it was, because we we have been speculating that it has been a romantic relationship. Uh-huh. Okay? I'm not sure that it was either. But what he said was, well, we're just... He doesn't want their relationship to get in the way of work. And she says, oh, she's so glad that, you know, she said that he said that. She wants the same thing, so they'll take a rain check on their dinner, and I'm not going to call it a date, but a dinner clear-of-the-air session. Right. And off she goes back to Crane. But the look on his face was a difficult one to read as he watched her walk out the door and walk out the office. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was a definitely a um, a look of desire. You... I'll say uh.
2: <laughs> speculation. I don't know. I think I I watched it a few times, and I thought you could really interpret that look, look in a number of different ways. Well, he's okay. <laughs> I'll I'll call it more scheming, a scheming look more than anything else. else.
0: All right, and
2: one that that he is very confident in himself, that he's going to get what he wants. Whether it's a romantic relationship with Abby, or whether it's to get her silence on some matter or her cooperation, but it was definitely one of confidence,
1: no doubt. Yes, no doubt. Mm-hmm. He is definitely a confident person.
2: So, Steve, I'm thinking, hey, we're starting to get into theories, prophecies, speculation. Why don't Let's we do it? Let's do it, indeed.
1: All right, we're three episodes into the season, and the evil theme seems to be centered around. Fear. What do we know about fear, Barb?
2: Well, we know that the origin of this word is from the Old English, and I'll probably butcher this, (laughs) (laughs) haha, pun intended. Fair, F A E R, with that funny A and E. And it actually means calamity or danger. Certainly, our witnesses seem to be in the middle of a lot of calamity and danger.
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Pandora definitely has them in her sights.
2: Yes, she does. And I think that the question is going to be why does she have them in her sights?
1: Exactly. Now, the other one of the other big issues from this episode was the mystery surrounding this new female that seems to know Corbin's tricks.
2: And we don't even know her name. No, at all. We don't have a name. We (laughs) have no name for this woman yet. And mystery hunter.
1: Yeah. Do we even think that August was the one who trained her?
2: Well, I think that's certainly what the writers want us to believe, because that's what Jenny thinks. And I'm not certain that that would be the case, because while she did seem to know some things, Jenny pointed out something very important. She said, this is why you don't sit in front of the window. Mm -hmm. So that means that the woman may know a few things, but she may not know everything.
1: Yeah. Well, she kind of got a top level view of some of August's stuff. I I have a feeling that maybe some of uh, his files did get, shall we say, copied. Not all of them, but some of them probably. And that's why she didn't know to sit over on the side so she could see everything, is because it wasn't just a copy of some notes that Corbin went into a much deeper explanation with Jenny than, and didn't have that information. And the new girl didn't have that information.
2: You know, that, and that's an interesting thought because Joe and Jenny said that there were no records whatsoever on the shard of Anubis, and so files may have been stolen. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, if you're teaching somebody about where to sit or not to sit, that's something that you're not going to write down in a file. I don't think. I think that's no, something that you I would show either. them. Mm -hmm. So here's another thought. How are we sure that it's August Corbin who trained this girl? What if there was an associate of August Corbin who knew that Jenny and Abby had seen evil at an early age or knew that they were going to be in danger or knew potentially that one of them was going to be a witness and that August and his partner were aligned at some point in time and that the partner then knew about the obtaining of artifacts?
1: Mm, So who might this partner be, Barb?
2: What if it's Daddy Dearest, and he took turn to the dark side, and that caused the split in the family?
1: Whoa, <laughs> that he could have actually been the one who drove Mama Mills crazy. Could have been. Whoa, that interesting would... theory there, Barb.
2: Well, now anyone who's heard me on any other GSM Media podcast knows that I throw out a lot of theories, and they're normally wrong. <laughs> uh, but it's fun to speculate.
1: Absolutely. Now, of course, I tend to lean towards the other way and thinking that, yeah, it probably was Danny who was able to get a copy of that file and that he's actually the one who is working with Pandora trying to get the Shard.
2: Now, that's interesting, too. Yes. (laughs) And I like that because I think we have both said... I think both of us are a little concerned as to whether or not we can trust Danny boy.
1: Exactly. Uh, Exactly. uh Uh-huh.
2: What if Abby saw something that he did at the academy or observed something that just didn't seem right? Right.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. But because they were so close, she went ahead and kept it silent. He's trying to make sure that she's not going to open her mouth about it.
2: Yes, because why on earth? Would someone like Danny, who has such great aspirations of moving up the ladder and doing so quickly, come to little, tiny, sleepy hollow?
1: Exactly. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, there's definitely some other reason for him to come to sleepy hollow, because that's not the fast track to anywhere.
2: (laughs) Not with 144,000 citizens. No. Exactly. No.
1: All right. Let's uh, talk about Miss Zoe.
2: Oh, I think we're going to find her to be an interesting and yet a little strange character.
1: I think so, too. Uh, Is she going to be this season's Caroline, maybe?
2: Hmm, I don't know. Are you saying and, you trust her or you don't trust her, Steve?
1: Right now, I don't know enough about her to trust her. At least with Caroline, you kind of really got to see inside her character some, and you felt comfortable with her. Mm-hmm. Zoe, uh, yeah, she's got some powerful friends in some high places. Right there kind of gives you some pause for doubt.
2: You know... Steve, the three episodes so far have been fear, but we're certainly throwing trust out there because we don't seem to trust too many of the characters (laughs) other than the witnesses and Abby and Joe.
1: How awful is that? Par for the course in Sleepy
2: Hollow. It is. You don't know who you can trust.
1: Exactly.
2: You think she's going to try and make a pass at Crane?
1: Oh, yeah. Based on the look she gives Crane at the end of the second scene, I'd say his highly arched brows gallant manner and tight revolutionary double jug were murmuring some sweet <laughs> nothings of their own, too.
2: <laughs> I don't think he really truly understands the influence that he's having on the women around him.
1: No, he, he is totally naive blind to it. Yeah, naive. naive to it. And it's just, oh, it's awesome.
2: <laughs> it is adorable. Adorable is my favorite word with Crane.
1: Yes. Now, is he a genius or just lucky?
2: By injecting himself? Yes. Uh, I He may be a little bit of both. But, you know, that was very interesting to watch that, because as soon as I saw that, that was very similar to and spoiler alert, the end of if Falling you... Skies this summer. And exactly. the hero infected himself with the virus that was intended to wipe out the alien, the evil alien life force. And the monster put her her pincher in the hero extracted his blood and then she died she basically exploded and so here we're seeing the same thing with Nelson and his Nelson and his knife sounds like a band uh, with yeah. Nelson with Nelson and his knife as he stabs crane and crane has infected himself with this malarious serum and the blood flows back through the knife and then crane doesn't or I mean Nelson doesn't die but He gets infected, and the knife loses its power. Exactly the same thing.
1: Right. Well, do we think Danny is being honest with Abby?
2: And I I think that's a
1: man. Yeah, that's a man who hates to see Abby go, but loves to watch her leave.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think we've talked about that. I think that the that we're both a little um, uncertain of Danny right now.
1: Right. Yeah, we don't trust him. I don't know if (laughs) Abby should trust him either.
2: Yeah, I'm not so sure either.
1: And do we think that Abby's fear of losing Crane was what actually caused the bloom?
2: I think it did. I think that the tree feeds on fear, and that's what causes these blooms to open. And so that in that moment, Abby must have been feeling the fear of potentially losing Ichabod.
1: Absolutely. And it was very interesting that Pandora is able to see Abby in real time through her uh, crystal stream.
2: I know, it's like a magic mirror. Hello. Where, yes. do, where do I get one of these?
1: <laughs> exactly. Now, of course, I came up with, the, after seeing the trevil again, I said, no, wait a minute, that's not a tree. That's the root of all evil.
2: <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> a trevil.
1: It makes perfect
2: sense. It is. It's beautiful. That's exactly what it is.
1: So uh, it will be quite interesting to see uh, what it is capable of doing once it gets more uh, blooms on it.
2: Now, as we discussed last week, and I think you raised this potential, that maybe the flowers are the way that Pandora intends to spread fear to the masses or to entice yes. the masses to commit is- evil so that they can be judged by the shard and live forever in, et- in, in eternity or mm-hmm. live in the after. Um, in the underworld. So how do we think that uh, Pandora got this job?
1: Well, somebody uh, bigger than her had to promote her, that's for sure.
2: What, like Moloch's boss, maybe?
1: Uh, it's very possible. So we still have a... Yeah, There's there's got to be some somebody else uh, sitting back pulling all this, the strings here.
2: Yeah, I wonder, you know, maybe she was told to banish the horseman because he was no longer effective. He couldn't get the job done. And the boss said... You're fired.
1: Exactly. Very well. It, it very well could be, especially with Katrina dying at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. The horseman really, you know, that was really the only thing he had to kind of keep Crane in line. And once that was gone, then the horseman of death, nah. Who really needs you? We got the shard of Anumus that will uh, get these people to the underworld just as easy.
2: And the interesting thing about this Jack the Ripper knife was the fact that it could have been used previously, again, maybe over an 800-year period of time, maybe even longer than that.
1: Yes, I expected it was probably even longer than that.
2: So the question is, who's been the keeper of the knife? And because Pandora has been calling out to someone, to some power, to Mm -hmm. obtain her gifts. Uh, yes. To you know, bring me, bring me this knife, and you know, bring me the whispering wraith. And so she is calling out to someone. So she is clearly reporting to a higher power.
1: Power, uh huh.
2: So who's the boss? Yeah,
1: good question. And... We'll have. I'll have to give that some thought. They uh-huh. will uh, come up with a theory after uh, next week's episode, maybe.
2: Maybe we can, or maybe the writers will give us some hints and uh, advance the storyline so we can find out.
1: But we'd sure love to hear your thoughts uh, on who this the possible big man is,
2: or a big woman.
1: Yes, could be a big woman. There's no doubt about that.
2: Well, in a little bit of a lighter fare, then this week, Steve. What kind of ickyisms did we have? I think that that Crane had a few delightful lines. Very oh, funny this
1: absolutely. week. Absolutely.
2: So, what do you what do you have to share with us today?
1: Oh, the the rant to open the episode was just awesome. The American dream is dead. What else are we to conclude when the door to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is so cruelly slammed in our faces? This <laughs> nation was forged so that anyone who came to her shores may have the opportunity to place yet another brick on her imperfect masonry. <laughs> and, and Abby's standing standing up against the wall, and she goes, and under her breath, she goes, and here comes Jefferson. Which was
2: perfect. I just <laughs> love that.
1: <laughs> I did too, because he goes, quote Jefferson, we have more <laughs> machinery of government than is necessary.
2: Oh, he could run for political office.
1: Oh, absolutely, because the crowd was getting into everything he was saying. <laughs> they loved him.
2: He told it like it like it is without being rude. Yes, <laughs> How refreshing. Hmm.
1: (laughs) And then, of course, I'm going to do it. Do what? Become a full citizen of this country.
2: And that is going to open the door to so much humor in a future (laughs) episode. I can't wait.
1: Yes, I have rejected my fealty to England, but I am here to consummate my allegiance to this nation. (laughs) (laughs) And then after the second meeting with Zoe, you know, she leaves and he's gathering his stuff up and you see him look up at the picture of Washington crossing the Delaware, and he goes, oh, as if Adams would have done any different.
2: <laughs> <laughs> see, I told you, red tape and who you know has been around for a long time. You have I mean, to admit, Tom Meissen gets some of the best lines.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And plays him so well. Uh, it, perfect in the role. At the body, his you might know him as Jack the Ripper, And you go, what? (laughs) No, of course, I didn't do that. I went, I called it. I called it. (laughs) I got something right.
2: Yes, you did. You (laughs) called that last week, didn't you?
1: Yes. And then as they're at the door of Nelson's place, as they're walking up, he goes, Is it too much to ask that the second tribulation be easier than the first? And of course, the knife comes flying through the door.
2: I think the answer to that is yes.
1: Yeah, it is too much to ask. They ain't getting easier, Crane. They're getting harder. And, of course, his last line in his drug-induced state, we are, after all the witnesses. I am most grateful, Lieutenant, that you and I have found one another once again.
2: And I think that that was one of the most heart-rendering moments of the show. Yes. And that was a perfect line. That was my favorite one this week. Well, that and, of course, finding out that he was still alive, although I thought, you know, they can't kill him off. We've already no. seen the promos for next week. <laughs> next he's week, there. Yeah. He's That's not right. dead.
1: We've seen the pictures with uh, we, bones We know birth. he's there.
2: <laughs> we know he's there. But that was very, it was very touching. And I think what that really showed, and especially if Abby's fear that she may lose him caused the black purple rose to bloom Mm -hmm. then i think that what that means is they both feel the same way and this nine month separation the trauma they went through together with the death of crane's wife and son that they found a place and they are healed now three episodes in, they're healed completely
1: i believe you're right there yeah all right what history lesson did we learn this week barb
2: well we had an interesting little history lesson and it came up with when Crane mentioned that malaria helped the colonies win the war against the British. And I thought I've never heard of such a thing before. So uh, with the power of the internet, I did a little bit of research and sure enough, there are a number of articles on the internet, uh, both by esteemed papers, such as the Washington post and also included in the uh, Institute or national Institute of health files that did indeed talk about malaria and the Revolutionary War. And apparently mosquitoes, and the way they, they, they state this, and this is a link, and, and this is directly from the Washington Post article, and I will include a link to this in the show notes, but to paraphrase this, they said, mosquitoes conducted covert biological warfare against the British Army. And <laughs> I thought, okay, female mosquitoes seek blood to provide the proteins they need to make eggs, No blood meal, no reproduction. It makes them bold and determined to bite. And anybody who is, uh, let's say, subject to mosquito bites or a favorite of mosquitoes the way I am, yes, they are determined to bite you. Yes. So malaria is still one of the most deadly infectious diseases in the world, and it was a widespread scourge in North America until a little more than a century ago. The British Army, which was commanded by General Charles Cornwallis, consisted of lads from Britain and Germany. Very few had grown up with malaria. Most were highly susceptible Cornwallis' army, although a superior fighting force suffered from a malaria resistance gap. Now, the Americans had actually lived in the colonies. Uh, They had been bitten by mosquitoes. They had been infected. They had gotten over the malaria. And so they were much more resistant than the British were. So the mosquitoes actually helped the Americans snatch victory from the jaws of stalemate and win the Revolutionary War without which there would be no United States of America. So remember that when those mosquitoes bite you on the 4th of July next year. <laughs> uh, now today, malaria does kill almost 600,000 people in the world uh, it's primar- uh, on an annual basis. It is primarily children. And most of those deaths occur in Africa and India. The very first malaria vaccine was approved for use in Africa this past summer. And so they should be rolling it out down there. And hopefully that's something where they can save children's lives.
1: Fantastic news. Yes. All right. We do have some feedback this week.
2: How very exciting. And who is that feedback from, Steve?
1: Oh, our bestie, Justina.
2: Oh, she's awesome, isn't she?
1: She is absolutely fantastic.
0: Well,
2: shall we hear what she has to say?
1: Absolutely.
0: Hi, Marvin, Steve. I give this episode of Sleepy Hollow 9 out of 10 fist bumps. Yay! I am so happy Witness Prophecies is back! Before I move on to this week, I wanted to give a few quick thoughts about stuff that you both mentioned in the first two episodes of the season. First, I wanted to say that there is some evidence that there is a Pandora bloodline. So, Barb, your theory that this Pandora might be a descendant of the original Pandora could be totally right. Because I found some research saying that Pandora had a mortal child named Pyra, and when she married Dukalayan, Pyra and Dukalayan repopulated the earth after a great deluge. All the stones that Pyra threw turned into women, and all the stones that Ducalaya threw turned into men and therefore the Earth was repopulated. I also wanted to say that I know that there's a lot of hand-waving going on in this show, but I did a little re-watching over the summer, and in Season 1, Jenny was able to get crane some fake papers, including a passport. Now on to this week. I'm so happy Ichabod is going to take a citizenship class. That's just funny waiting to happen. I just know it. I really loved this Jack the Ripper story. I read a forensic book once, on Jack the Ripper, and it really disturbed me. So the thought of it being a mystical knife, the thought of this being a supernatural power versus something that an actual human being did, putting it in the realm of fantasy, I would much rather believe that it was a mystical object versus an actual human decision of an actual man. This plot point of fear is so interesting. Fear is one of the most powerful emotions and can definitely be used to manipulate. I see that the more fear Pandora gathers, the more flowers she gets on her tree. And the fear Abby had of losing Crane was enough to grow a flower all by itself. What I still don't understand is what Pandora's going to do with all this fear when she's done gathering it. Guess we'll have to wait and see. Have a great week!
1: Thank you so much, Justina, for that fantastic feedback. You brought up some great points there. And before we get to those, we want to remind everybody that Justina does a blog over at goldenspiralmedia.com, not only on Sleepy Hollow, but several of the other podcasts and some shows that don't have podcasts. So go over there and check those blogs out. They're really great.
2: So as you said, yeah, Justina had a couple of very interesting points No, first she talked about Pandora's bloodline, uh, that Pandora did have a mortal child, and that child helped repopulate the earth. So perhaps our Pandora is a descendant of the original Pandora.
1: Which is a great point.
2: I know, that was wonderful. She also reminded us, and, and I had completely forgotten this, that in season one, Jenny got Crane fake papers, including a passport
1: so it wouldn't be any problems to get him a birth certificate.
2: Probably not. I think that uh, that little that little hiccup is uh, to him becoming an American citizen is going to be not even a bump in the road.
1: <laughs> Except getting through the class without uh, going to fisticuffs with the instructor.
2: Oh, I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I know. I am just salivating for that scene. I am too. <laughs> Now, she also brought up a very interesting point about supernatural power versus a human being, and that she actually hopes that this becomes the power of this of the mystical object versus a decision of a man. And I think, in essence, what that's saying is that, you know, someone is a, a man or a human is deliberately trying to take out all of our, our, our witnesses or taking out the world, potentially, and... That's an interesting point, And, and I, get, I can see it both ways because these creatures that we're fighting are really not men and women per se. Well, the creatures, the creatures are converted, but the root of the evil that we've seen the Molochs, the horsemen, etc. have been more mystical as opposed to a, a, an actual human here on Earth. Right. Doing evil, and they've been influenced in some way. I mean, even Abraham as the Headless Horseman was, you know, he was killed and he became the Headless Horseman, but he didn't do it himself as a human being, per se. Yeah,
1: it's definitely a lot easier to to look at a serial killer as having been affected by something other than it being a conscious decision to do that. And so that we definitely uh, are right there with you, Justina. We're glad that uh, the Ripper was the Blade more than the being himself.
2: And yeah, But then she also brings up the same question that we've been speculating upon. What is Pandora going to do with all this fear that she's collecting?
1: Yeah. And we don't have a good answer for that yet, but we're sure trying to figure it out.
2: Yeah, so... Everybody else, y'all can be cool kids as well, just like Justina. And please, we really would like to hear your feedback. We'd like to hear your thoughts about the show. We'd like to hear your theories and your speculation. There are a number of different ways that you can contact us. One is our voicemail number, which is 304-837-2278. Or you can go to com slash feedback, and you can use the speed speak pipe widget on the side of the page to record audio or you can also type out your feedback on the form or you can even attach your audio feedback to an email and send it in to us now when is our feedback deadline steve
1: it's saturday at 3 p.m eastern time
2: yes it is and a couple other ways that you can find us Witness Prophecies on Facebook. Please join our Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Uh, Steve and I are both putting a lot of pictures and other information that we find out there, and I will say that Steve is far more prolific at doing that than I am. <laughs> but a lot of good information out there, so please join us in that conversation. You can also get in touch with that us on Twitter at witnessprofgsm W I T N E S S P R O P H G S M. You can get in touch with Steve at Salyer Steve, S A L Y E R S T E V E. And I'm at Tanger 14, T A N G I E R 14. So definitely get in touch with us. We really do want to hear from you.
1: Absolutely. Now, if you don't want to be spoiled on any upcoming episodes, run
2: now, <laughs> fast,
1: quickly. <laughs> All right, our next episode, October 22nd, episode 4, The Mill, The Sisters Mills. Abby and Jenny work together when Sleepy Hollow's children are preyed upon by a monster. Meanwhile, Pandora outdoes herself with her latest assault on the forces of good. I think the big question is, will Abby come clean about Daddy? It would be good to see the story advance. Also, we know that Crane is going to the dentist. Ouch! <laughs> Oh, Not a good thing. Not a good thing at all.
2: <laughs> well, if he can get stabbed in the stomach and survive and get through that pain, I think that he will be just fine at the dentist. Yes. Well, the week after that for episode five uh, is our Bones crossover episode or the Halloween episode. It's on October 29th and it is Dead Men Tell No Tales. So our team is going to partner with Booth and Bones. So that means folks, Sleepy sleepyheads. You need to watch two hours of TV that night, and not just one. Okay, so set your DVRs appropriately.
1: Absolutely, you because you don't want to miss any of this.
2: So, now, I, I heard that TV line had a funny little joke about that, Steve.
1: Yeah. You know, stop us if you've heard this one before. A revo- A revolutionary war captain walks into a lab run by a socially awkward genius. And we've got your first exclusive look at their... Meeting.
2: <laughs> I can see Crane and Bones getting along just as well as I can see Abby and Booth getting along.
1: Yes. Definitely agree. And this week that we got a photo of Ichabod and Bones and then another photo with Booth and Abby. So Perfect. And Abby's got quite the look on her face in that photo, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, they have that whole FBI thing in common.
1: Yes. Now, during a recent visit to the set, Sleepy star Tom Meissen told TV Line that he and Bones had just shot this morning a rather nice scene where Ichabod questions Brennan on faith and art and love. And can they be reduced to numbers?
2: To numbers. To Hmm. numbers, yes. Okay.
1: Uh Uh-huh. It actually worked really rather nicely because they're quite similar, actually. I hadn't really realized it until I started working with Emily that Brennan and Ichabod are very similar, he said laughing, which is probably why they're destined not to get along.
2: (laughs) Oh, but then again, Bones has that issue with a lot of people, but she works it out. And I Mm -hmm. suspect by the end, they will have a mutual respect for each other.
1: (laughs) Yes, I certainly hope so.
2: Well, episode six on November 5th, then, is the lady the red lady from caribbe and on this one pandora is going to unleash an iconic monster to haunt the residents of sleepy hollow as they sleep abby and jenny are tempted to confront a painful part of their past that may be daddy Mm -hmm. meanwhile abby makes a crucial decision for her career and crane does his best to guide her with wisdom from his own experiences will ichabod lead abby to the right decision So it sounds like we may have two uh, confrontations there, perhaps uh, between Daddy and the girls Girls. and Danny and Abby. Abby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, we might get to see a whole bunch of stuff here on that episode.
2: We might indeed. Anything about any new characters potentially coming to the show?
1: And yes, we do from Dateline.com. Peter Mensah is traveling to Sleepy Hollow this year, taking on a pivotal, recurring guest-starring role beginning in November and lasting through the end of the current season. He'll play the Hidden One, an ancient, desiccated god who returns to the mortal world revived as a handsome, powerful menace with eyes that entrance and torment.
2: I wonder if they're going to turn red.
1: Ah, uh, wouldn't surprise me if they don't. Mm. <laughs> His first appearance will be in the season seventh episode, airing November twelfth. Minsa is known for portraying the Persian messenger in Zack Snyder's Three Hundred and its sequel Three Hundred: Rise of an Empire, and has also appeared in the Incre- Incredible Hulk, Jason X, Avatar, as well as the Spartacus TV series on Stars and True Blood, among many others.
2: You know, maybe he'll be the boss.
1: There you go. He might be the big bad.
2: He could be. you now, got
1: some uh, news from New York Comic Con.
2: Yes, that was just held last week. And there were several cast members uh, from the show that attended the Comic Con. Um, unfortunately, Tom Meissen and Nicole Bahari were not able to because of their shooting schedule. But uh, Metzner was there, and he offered three cryptic but intriguing teases about the character's future.
1: Yes, he did.
2: So first he said that Crane will face a nemesis of his that he really can't stand. And it's not that he's going to fear, but someone that he can't stand. stand. yes. <laughs> so that should be very interesting. Then he also said that Abby is going to come under some pretty serious fire at her new job. That sounds like she and Danny may have a falling out.
1: Yes, it does.
2: And then he finally said, most importantly, someone in our extended crew is going to switch sides. So if he said extended crew, I'm thinking that puts Abby, Crane, Jenny, and Joe off the table.
1: I would probably go Ichabod, Abby, Jenny. Oh, you think? I think Joe might be the potential one here.
2: Yeah, but interesting, they said extended crew.
1: Right. Yeah, it and could be yeah. <clears throat> Danny. It could be Zoe.
2: Yeah. What? A, yeah. And and so there we go. It could be. Oh, it, that'll be very interesting to see what happens. Yes. So I think that there are a number of things out there that uh, look very promising. And again, we just, we, we need you all, sleepyheads. Get the word out. Tell your friends to give the show a watch. Retold, great, exciting. Much
1: like season one. So, you know, the sleepy heads that left midway through season two need to be coming back because they really would enjoy this season so far. Absolutely. All right. Please review and rate us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there. To subscribe in iTunes to any GSM podcast, go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash iTunes, and you can get an all-inclusive feed that gives you all of our wonderful podcasts all in one feed. Let your friends know and hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the Amazon links on Golden Spiral Media. It doesn't cost you any extra, and it does help. Help us support our servers. This is Steve, and is it too much to ask that the second tribulation be easier than the first?
2: And Steve, this has been another fun week, and I'm going to sign out. And I'm going to remind you to keep your sharp knives in the drawer.
1: (laughs) Nice. See you next week.